Good morning, everybody. Happy Thursday to you. My name is Tim Harris. It's 10 o'clock. It's time for Tim with Tim. I missed you guys. Uh, ordinarily, I'll do about anything to try to keep right on schedule. I don't like to cancel for you, but um, I couldn't do it this week. I, I can I can record one of these ahead of time and play it late uh, just to keep you guys you know rolling right through. And I usually try to do that, but I could not do it this week. So I took Tuesday, Wednesday off. So we're picking up in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 today. So anyway, glad that you're with me. I love you guys so much. I really, really do. I don't thank you enough. I don't say enough how much you mean to me. Just this daily time in the Word, uh, it draws us much, much closer. Let me say to Mary Carpenter, God bless you. Uh, I haven't mentioned anything at all since Freddie died, but uh, oh my goodness, uh, I, I loved him. His memorial service is here at our church on Saturday morning. And uh, Mary, God bless you. We're praying for you. Uh, your son is an easy man to celebrate, and we'll celebrate his life and his faith on Saturday morning here at Woodburn. But uh, but anyway, let's, let's jump into the Word today. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. Paul, as is really not... Uh, outside of his custom at all, he often begins his letters with a prayer of thanksgiving for the church, and this is what he does here. Uh, I, I love this. As a person who loves the church, uh, I just love to be reminded just what a magnificent body, you know, that the church is. Not just our church in particular, but the church all around the world. Uh, they call it the, the church invisible because you can't see it, you know, as it is, this, you know, this body that in you know, in, incorporates all of us together, all of us who take the name of Jesus in every tongue and tribe and nation. Uh, and uh, I, I love that, but also love our particular church. I mean, it's easy sometimes to say you love the big, you know, invisible church, but then to get down to the business of loving the actual church you go to and the people you worship with, it gets hard. It just does. People are people. None of us is perfect. Uh, we are often very focused on how difficult other people can be, but we give very little thought to how difficult we can be, you know, for others who have to listen to us and, uh, and, and deal with our mess. And so here Paul just thanks God for that, for that church. Now, it's an ordinary church. There are people there just like there are people in our church, and I'm sure some of them are knuckleheads and you know, complainers and gossips and all, all, you know, people who, you know, sign up to keep the nursery and don't show up. I mean, it's just people are people. But with all that said, it doesn't change anything about the glory and majesty of the body of Christ. And that's what I love here. This just simple reminder of, of what a miracle uh, the church, our church is, you know. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people ever have not stopped thanking God for you. Two things, faith and love. Faith and love, faith and love. You know, I've heard of your faith and I know your love. Uh, wow, you know, if if our church could have two things, if, if anybody could praise us for two things, let it be for our faith and our love. Um, wow, you know, faith and love. Um, you'll notice, of course, if, if you pay attention, for Paul, faith and love always travel with hope. Those three things in 1 Corinthians 13, these three things abide. And they're like sisters that travel together in all of Paul's letters. So if he says faith and love, he, gonna say, he will say hope in a few minutes. And of course, he's going to say hope importantly in verse 18. So uh, again, let, let's just continue. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I've not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly. Here we go. Asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight. 
All right, I think this is funny because in verse 8 of chapter 1, I believe, didn't he just say God has showered all wisdom upon us? You know, so even though God has showered all wisdom on you and me, it's still appropriate to pray for more <laughs> because God's wisdom is inexhaustible You know, on, on that. It's, it's not like you're going to have too much. It's not like you, you can, you know, somehow, you know, plumb the depths of God's wisdom or ever really stretch your thoughts to know what he knows, you know, so even though he showers us with all wisdom, it's still appropriate to just keep on praying for more. Uh, so you might grow in your knowledge of God. That's the first thing. For Paul, there seem to be three things here that we never seem to know deeply enough. It's not that we don't know them. We just don't know them deeply enough. And the first one is you just need to grow in your knowledge of God. Now, we say knowledge of God it's not like you're going to be on Bible Jeopardy and you need to learn a lot of Bible trivia. It's great to be in the Word of God and to uh, learn God's Word and to remember you know, the details of God's Word. By now, you probably realize I, I don't really have that kind of mind. I, I have a hard time remembering that Caleb was the son of Jephunneh. <laughs> I, I remember that somehow. But you know what I mean? I, I have a really hard time with chapters and verses and, you know, when did that happen? Was was Daniel before Ezekiel? You know, I just, a lot of those things run together for me. Knowledge of God, though, is, is not, it's about information, you know. It's about a transformational relationship. This is a relational knowledge, not the way you know all the presidents since George Washington or all the state capitals, but the way in which you know the sound of your own daughter's voice, you know, or the way that you can know your husband's uh, mental state just by listening to him breathe. You know, it's, it's relational knowledge. That, that knowledge of God is, is just knowing him by experience, by walking with him. And the only way to grow in your knowledge of God is, is to have deeper experiences of him to uh, be willing to risk, you know, deeper and more engaging experiences, riskier experiences of his glory and holiness. Do you know what I mean? Um, to grow in knowledge of God, it's, it's beyond, you know, just trying to remember Bible verses. It's just learning to love him and, and know him and, and, and to recognize his voice, you know. So I want you to grow in the knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light, Paul says, so you can understand the confident hope uh, he has given to those he has called. This confident hope in his calling. Now back in verse 14, he says that we've been called to praise and glorify him. Like that's your whole purpose, to praise and glorify him. You praise him with your mouth. You praise him with your life. You glorify him with your life. This is your calling. But to, to, to grow deeper, to, to, to grow deeper in your knowledge, your wisdom related to this confident hope. What does that mean? Um, Here's hope. Remember I said faith, hope, and love always travel together. Here's hope. He wants you to grow in this confident hope. Um, hope is always future-oriented. To lose hope means to lose that confidence that tomorrow could be any different from today. You, you know, hope is always related to tomorrow. It's always related to what happens next. And, and, and as God's people, we need this confident hope. 
uh, some people remain so stuck in the past. You know, last night here at church, we were talking in prayer meeting, we are talking about how hard it is to forgive people. And you'll realize when you don't forgive people, you get stuck in the past. You get stuck back there, you know, when they mistreated you, back when they left you, you know, back, you know, when, you know, the, the, the trauma happened. You know, if, if you can't forgive, if you can't embrace hope, then you just try to continue living in the past. And God is never in the past calling you backwards. He's always in the future calling you forward. You know, and so that's why Paul says, I want you to grow, you know, in this confident hope in his calling, to grow in this confident hope so that you are not less every day, but more and more willing and eager every day to see what God has for you in the future, you know. So you've got to stop pining for the past and wishing it could be like it was because it's never going to be like it was. God's always creating something new and taking us into something new and heaven's going to be the newest thing of all. If you don't like new things, you'll be miserable in heaven. You know, heaven's not going to be like sitting into crack, you know, in the rocking chair at Cracker Barrel. You know, heaven's going to be, you know, something you've never seen before, something you've never imagined, what no eye has seen and no ear has heard and the human heart has never imagined. You know, you know what I'm saying? And so you, you just have to learn how to release the past, the painful past, the, the wonderful past, all the best days of your life. You have to let them go because I promise you the best days are still ahead. Always, always. So I want you to know this confident hope in his calling. And then Paul says, is to, to know the incredible greatness of God's power. Verse 19, the incredible greatness of God's power. I know that in your life of following him, you've seen him do some great things, but, but you, you can't assume that he's finished doing great things in your life. You can't say, you know, now, well, you know, I, don't, I, I think God's finished using me or I don't think God can do that with me now, you know. It's one thing to have a realistic assessment of what you're capable of. It's another thing to have a realistic assessment of what God is capable of and there's nothing he can't do. This incredible greatness of his power means that as long as you live, you continue to allow God to lead you into impossible things. That very thing that you say, I don't think he can do that. Oh, he wants to show you how he can. Let him lead you into impossible things. That means that you're going to start attempting supernatural things. Things that if God doesn't show up, you're going to fail. You know, you're going to step out and you're going to at least try. And if God doesn't do his part, you're going to look like a fool. But God is never going to leave you or forsake you. And God wants to lead you into supernatural things so that you are always growing in that knowledge of his incredible great power, you know. And then Paul goes on. The last part of the prayer is that. It's an it's a explanation, an illustration of that power. It's the same power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Yeah, that power. You know, So the God who raised Christ from the dead, you think he can't soften your heart? You know, you think he can't, you know, fix your marriage? You think he can't bring you out of this financial mess? You think there's something he can't do? He raised Jesus up and put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It's made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. Oh, 
our church, you know, the fullness comes from Christ. You know, the complete, uh, the completion comes from Christ. Now, we've been talking, I started a new sermon series called Power by Prayer in the pulpit on Sunday. And one of the things I said was our church has to get past just in our praying, always praying for temporal, physical things. Notice that Paul has this beautiful prayer here at the end of chapter one, and he doesn't pray for a single physical, material, tangible thing. Everything he's thanking God for here, these are spiritual these are non-tangible. These are non-material things. And if we had these things and nothing else, do you understand we would have everything? As a church, as individuals, if we had these things and nothing else, we would have everything and every reason to be grateful. You understand? So if you're wondering what I mean by you know getting past just praying for physical temporal needs, follow Paul. He knows how to do it. That's how you pray right there. That's how you pray for the church. So today in your spare time, if you're a Woodburn person especially, pray this prayer for our church. Pray it for all of us. Pray it for me as your pastor. Let's just bathe one another in this kind of prayer throughout the rest of the day. I'll pick up here with you tomorrow. Chapter two, just 10 verses. Uh, Ephesians chapter two, verses one through 10. That's tomorrow. I love you guys. Uh, sorry for two days off, but it's good to be back. I'll see you in the morning. Lord willing, 10 o'clock for 10 with Tim. Have a great day.